The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6 a.m. on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. Do you remember these words? The ECB is ready to do whatever it takes to preserve the euro. And believe me, it will be enough. It's been 10 years since that speech by Mario Draghi in London when the European Central Bank was facing a very different set of challenges from those that it faces today. Bond yields were spiking across the Eurozone amid fears that Greece could crash out of the single currency. The speech marked a turning point in that crisis and saw the ECB itself also enter a new era. To discuss the impact of that speech and how it compares to the situation the European Central Bank's facing today, we're joined by former ECB President Jean-Claude Trichet. Good morning to you, Mr Trichet. Thank you very much for being with us. Why do you think we still talk so much about this one speech? Good morning. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Uh, I would like to replace perhaps uh, the speech you refer to in perspective, because the crisis did not start in 2012. The crisis started with the subprime in 2011, then with Lehman Brothers in 2008, and then in uh, the euro area particularly with the Greek, Irish, and Portugal crisis in 2010, and with the Spain and Italian crisis 2011. And I was at the helm of the ECB during all those periods, and we had to take very, very tough decisions, as well as the decisions which were taken by my successor that you refer to. But we, we could protect the euro area through various uh, very bold uh, endeavors, including the Securities Market Program, the SMP, that we started in 2010 to, I would say, cope with the problem that Greece, uh, Ireland, and Portugal had, and in 2011, with the problem that Italy and Spain had. And it was so grave and so dramatic that I had to write two letters to the Prime Minister of Spain and Italy to tell them, we are in a dramatic situation, we help you, we purchase treasuries on the secondary market, but you have to help yourself in order to cope with the crisis. So you see, the OMT, which was uh, the new program substituting to the SMP, Securities Market Program, the outright program of uh, uh, the uh, Mario Draghi uh, uh, at the helm of the uh, ECB, was something which was extremely important because we needed again the SMP having been interrupted to have a new way to cope with the dramatic uh, crisis that the sovereign risk had to cope with in Europe. The UMT worked extremely well. And I would say the UMT is still there. 
Mm. It didn't have to function. It was a formidable deterrent. So the reason why I'm mentioning that is that uh, there is uh, something like uh, some kind of mistake which is made by some market participants and some observers, the OMT being still there and the the deterrent of the OMT being still there it's out of question to speak of the possible uh, dismantling of the euro area or possible major difficulty. What had worked in 2012 and after should work now. But on top of that, the ECB embarked on a very, very wise, in my opinion, new scheme, which is called transmission protection instrument. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could go back to that, which adds to the OMT, something which looks very much, by the way, like the uh, securities market program that I decided in my time. But it's, we, it's, we, will, we will see exactly how it works. But I, I was very happy that the TPI had a unanimity of the governing council to decide upon. And that is something which I consider very, very important because unanimity of the governing council in some delicate uh, I would say episodes is very important. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to talk about the evolution of that because, of course, it was part of the evolution of the institution of the European Central Bank as well to come up with these new tools to tackle the crises as they arose. What do you think is the legacy of all of that now? You know, the the, the what you built and then was followed on by Mario Draghi has now, of course, been taken on by Christine Lagarde. She's facing a whole new range of challenges with record inflation in the eurozone and the energy crisis that we've been talking about. What that groundwork that was laid is that still as strong today? Well, uh, as regards the existential pro- pro- threat of the euro area, which is still uh, in the mind of some market participants or observers or economists, I think that it's really over. We we proved that we could go through uh, a succession of terrible crises, subprime, Lehman Brothers, uh, and you name it. And, and we succeeded. So the problem is much more, what do you do now that you have inflation? So you are in a totally different universe at a global level. Huh? We had an inflection point uh, that uh, started at the beginning of the present year. And uh, that inflection point is observed in all uh, the global economy, in all countries, in all continents. So that, of course, is a new challenge uh, of extreme importance And on top of that, you have all elements that are adverse to Europe, including, of course, war in Ukraine. War in Ukraine is a European war, first. Second, it is uh, touching the, uh, I would say, price of gas and oil, but gas in particular, very, very heavily. Mm. And and this is uh, much more uh, dramatic for Europe than for the US. So we are in a special case. And it calls upon all participants, governments, parliaments, and of course the ECB to be up to uh, the challenges. I take it that the last decision they took was a good one, a right one, uh, appropriate one, with a consensus to increase rate by 50 basis points and a, con- and a unanimity to embark on the transmission protection instrument. What, have they still got the power to convince markets though as you say the existential question is settled about the euro now from for most market participants 
the the promising of this anti-fragmentation tool was such an important moment for the markets. Does that power of rhetoric still exist in the European Central Bank to be able to drive markets uh, ahead of being able to roll out the details of this tool, as we saw in this case? But uh, let's uh, let's reflect a little bit. If we were in a dramatic situation, the OMT which uh, it was so powerful that its deterrent suffice without being activated, would still be there. So I think that we should not confuse uh, the issues. The issue at stake is for the ECB to be sure that its monetary policy transmission is done as correctly as possible, knowing that in any case, if there was, I would say, unleashing of speculation, uh, of abnormal speculation, then the OMT is there. But I think that the transmission protection instrument, which was decided unanimously by the council, is a correct instrument in cases you have, you know, abnormal tensions in the eyes of the ECB, but also abnormal tensions objectively because the uh, country itself would do what is required by the circumstances. Mm. And from that standpoint, I think it was right to have some criteria for eligibility. Given the gravity of the situation, we're talking about, you know, Russia scaling back gas supply to Europe. Does the ECB need to go further still? And does it have the power to tackle inflation? Well, uh, All taken into account, the ECB was given the responsibility, the, I would say, main responsibility, according to the treaty, to supply price stability. Supplying price stability means solidly anchoring inflation expectations in a medium-term perspective. By the way, it's exactly the same in the US. Jay Powell said very, very clearly, our aim is to anchor inflation expectations in the medium term around 2%. And I draw your attention to the fact that this definition of price stability or this goal for price stability, medium term, is the goal of all major central banks of the advanced economy that are issuing the currency that are in the basket of the uh, special drawing rights. So you have a consensus at the Mm. level of... the global, I would say, major financial uh, uh, central bank institutions. But the challenges uh, facing the ECB, I'm sorry to cut across you, the challenges facing the ECB are different because it has 19, soon to be 20 economies that it has to look after that are very diverse and very different. Yes, but that that did not prevent the ECB to be the first to to say that they would aim at 2% as the average uh, yearly inflation medium term for uh, for the euro area so uh, from the very beginning it was clear that it was the mandate that the uh, central bank had but you're right of course uh, the us is not europe the europe is not us the us is a full-fledged political federation europe is not a full-fledged political federation and that's the reason why you have to get a number of rules in europe that are the quid pro quo for the fact that we don't have a federation, a full-fledged political federation with a federal budget and with a federal way of dealing with the policy mix. So again, I take it that uh, Europe has the way and means to protect itself against uh, its own, I would say, peculiarity, 
which is that we are not a full-fledged political federation. But let's not uh, engage in a vision which would not be appropriate. The problem for Europe is <clears throat> to run as well as possible its own single economy with the appropriate, uh, would say, instrument that exists and have been reinforced uh, or created uh, when we had the Lehman Brothers crisis, namely the SGP, the Stability and Growth mm-hmm. Pact, the MIP, the Macroeconomic Imbalance Procedure, and of course, on the other hand, uh, in the hands of the ECB, you have a, an independent ECB, which has proved in the past that not only she could resist the, I would say, dramatic threats that we had to cope with, and uh, you, you name it, uh, we we mentioned the subprime and uh, the uh, uh, Lehman Brothers, but we, we had also <clears throat> COVID, we had also, of course, uh, the war in Ukraine. And on the other hand, uh, we delivered, I mean, the ECB delivered since the setting up of the euro price stability in line with its mandate. So I take it that uh, they will continue to be up to their mandate and okay. up to their responsibilities. Just a brief final thought, if you would. Is the, the weak euro something that the ECB needs to pay more attention to? Uh, I think it's part, of course, of the reason why they have decided to do 50 basis points more than 25 basis points. There are a number of other reasons. In any case, neither the US nor the ECB has any kind of, uh, I would say, uh, goal on the exchange rates. Uh, you, you, you have to do what is required by your own, uh, uh, I would say, environment, your own law or treaty, and you do exactly what is appropriate. But again, it's clear that when you have a weak euro, you import inflation. And this is part, of course, not the one part, but part of the many parameters you have to uh, took uh, in, uh, uh, I would say, close consideration when you decide your uh, your uh, interest rate decision. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6am on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.